Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. It's Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. Thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday night. We had a pretty big day today. Joe Biden met with Chinese President Xi Jinping. We'll be talking all about that. A day after passing a government funding bill with the support of Democrats, an appropriations revolt in the House Republican Party led Speaker Johnson to recess the House into an early Thanksgiving break. The FBI director was telling a congressional committee the FBI has opened multiple investigations into individuals with domestic ties to Hamas, but that wasn't getting in the way of the competition for the dumbest member of the House of Representatives. We'll get up to that in just a second. Also, Israeli Defense Forces carried out a series of raids at the Al-Shiva Hospital in the Gaza Strip. Israeli and U.S. intelligence believe Hamas used the hospital as a strategic military position. The Vatican has reaffirmed their opposition to Freemasonry, telling Catholics they are barred from joining the secret society. Um, All that and a former campaign fundraiser for George Santos pled guilty to wire fraud and faces a maximum of 20 years in prison. And Joe Manchin who's not running for the Senate, said today he would absolutely consider running for president in 2024, which means another millionaire who wants Donald Trump to give him another tax cut. Tonight, we've got some great guests on our show. Some of our favorite regulars, Bob Seska, will be here. Uh, The great Max Burns is going to be here in hour number two to talk all about Donald Trump's vermin speech. Not so much how his language is echoing Hitler, but how so much of the media shrugged it off. And Dr. Tracy Pearson joins us in hour number three. Chris Hauselt is our executive producer. The great Thea Harper is running this show out of uh, the beautiful Brooklyn Bureau. I come to you from Manhattan. Big thanks to Joe Sudbay for filling in last night. I had a night off. Went and saw Bob Dylan live in Brooklyn at the historic King's Theater. I think it was like my 66th or 67th Dylan show. I've been I've been to a lot over the last couple of decades, but uh, really a beautiful show. No big surprises, Chris. No, no uh, strange covers he pulled out. No stars joined him on stage. It was just Bob. And they should bill it as 82-year-old Bob Dylan plays the shit out of a grand piano for two hours and sings the holy bejesus out of a bunch of songs you probably don't know and you'll find it mesmerizing i I, i've always said i can't explain what it is bob dylan does but i'm glad he does it 80 years old does not care does not care about delivering the hits for the people who paid for the nice seats in fact if you're down in the very front of the orchestra section, you're not going to see Bob. He's now setting up the grand piano that he hides from the first 10 rows, hiding directly behind it. I, I don't know why he does it, but I've said for years he hides on stage. A set list of uh, about 16 or 17 songs, nine of which come from his latest album, 
rough and rowdy ways. Show me an artist from the 60s. The Stones, McCartney, Neil Young, any artist from the 60s who will go out on tour and do their new album almost in its entirety. And no real hits. Again, the, a couple of songs from Nashville Skyline, but the closest thing to a hit this set got was Gotta Serve Somebody. The gospel song that won a Grammy Award 40 years ago and is unrecognizable in its current form. Bob comes out and does the show he wants to do. His piano playing is crazy. It is as expressive as his voice ever was, much more expressive than his guitar playing ever was. And if you get a chance to go see him, folks, I, I, I recommend it really highly. I mean, think about it. He's 82. You know, I, I said during the pandemic that if Paul McCartney ever toured again, that I was going to take my son to see him because I wanted my kid to see him when he had the chance. I, I got to see Sinead O'Connor live many times, Nina Simone. I saw Tony Bennett a couple times. I saw Ray Charles a bunch of times. I got to see Leonard Cohen live and George Harrison. I saw Johnny Cash more than once. I saw Prince more than once. I got to see John Lee Hooker and Tom Petty many times. Billy Preston. I saw David Bowie. I saw Lou Reed. I saw The Grateful Dead, Laura Nero, Dr. John, Robbie Shankar, and I saw Little Richard. Folks, go see the artists you love while they're still out there playing. Thank you, Bob, for a crazy great night. All right, let's get to it. 866-997-4748 is our number. Today is the birthday of a number of good friends of this show. Ed Asner, born in the state in 1929. He did the show so many times. We miss him so much. Happy birthday, 91 years old, to Petula Clark. Yes, the downtown legend herself was actually on this show. She was only 86 at the time, so it wasn't that weird that I hit on her. Happy 83rd birthday to friend of the show, Sam Waterston, who came here to talk about a low-budget independent film he made, expected to be asked about Law & Order, and instead got stuck with me, who only wanted to talk about The Killing Fields. And happy birthday to Judy Gold, a shaman of comedy and one of the greatest comedians in the English language. Let's do it. Let's have a great show. Thanks for being with us. All right. Who is the dumbest member of the House of Representatives, folks? I need help on this. Yesterday, we saw members of the Republican House literally threatening to beat people up or beat each other up. But today was a different kind of competition. Today, they were throwing down to see who could make the party figuratively punch itself in the face the hardest. Who is the dumbest member? PG. PG is a, a, a post-Gomer. Who is the dumbest member of the House post-Gomert, because look, I'll, I'll, I'll bow down and pop open a Schlitz for Louis Gomert. I mean, he made being that dumb look real easy, and that's hard. It's hard to think of who's the dumbest member. Now, a lot of you guys will say, well, George Santos. But come on, that's, that's too easy. And by the way, he's not too dumb. A pro-Trump, gay, immigrant Republican? Oh, he's evil, but he, he ain't stupid. That, that's brilliant. A lot of you will say, well, Lauren Boebert, she's the dumbest. But I say, no, at least Lady Blah Blah knows how to reach across the aisle and give out a job or two. And and again, it's at this point, it's kind of mean. There's stuff in my fridge upstairs that's going to last longer than Lauren Boebert's career in Congress. We know that, right? It's done, like disco. Yeah, you're done. Mm -hmm. um, and we're not talking about the Senate. That title still belongs to Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson is still the dimmest member of the higher chamber. But Tommy Tuberville's closing in. But but post Gomert. Well, you know, folks, like I always say, when God closes a Louis Gomert comedy door, 
he opens a Clay Higgins comedy window. Which one's Clay Higgins, you ask? Well, let me tell you, he has a, an F rating uh, with the democracy score. He signed the Texas amicus brief to steal the election. He objected to the certification of electoral college votes in one or more states. He lied publicly about the democratic system. He voted against impeaching or convicting Donald Trump for inciting an insurrection, voted against having an independent commission to investigate the January 6th attack, voted against holding Steve Bannon in contempt of Congress. This was the guy who was the captain of the St. Landry Parish Sheriff's Office in Louisiana, who had to resign because he was in a viral video calling a bunch of black crime suspects animals. That guy. Okay. Yeah, not sending their brightest, I know. Now, you might be saying, well, how how can he be the dumbest? Well, tell me what you think of this. FBI Director Christopher Wray had a lively day on the Hill, engaging representatives like Louisiana Clay Higgins over important issues like ghost buses. Give a quick listen to this and tell me there's one dumber than Clay Higgins. If you are asking whether the violence at the Capitol on January 6th was part of some operation orchestrated by FBI sources and or agents, the answer is emphatically You're saying no. No. You're saying no. violence orchestrated by FBI sources or agents. Are you familiar with, with, you know what a ghost vehicle is? Director, director of the FBI certainly should. You know what a ghost bus is? (laughs) A ghost bus? Ghost bus. I'm not sure I've used that term before. Okay. It's pretty common in, in law enforcement. It's a, it's a vehicle that's that's used for secret purposes. It's painted over. These two buses in the middle here, they He's were the first to arrive at Union Station on January 6th, 0500. I have all this evidence. I'm showing you a tip of this iceberg. Mr. Chairman. These two buses Mr. are Chairman. painted completely white. Okay, what he's showing is a picture of some buses in a parking lot somewhere. And two of them are white. They're all white, but two of them don't have logos on it. That's what he's showing. That's his evidence. Ghost buses. Uh, for those of you listening on the radio, there are no ghosts on the buses, and the buses themselves are not ghosts. I know. It, it, it's beautiful. It's, it's gorgeous. But let's take the bracket down to two, because you can't really have this debate about who is the dimmest member of the House of Representatives. And we welcome your calls at 866-997-GRIT without talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene. Here she is talking to the FBI Director Christopher Wray. Keep in mind, this man was hired by Donald Trump. Okay, they fired Jim Comey. The official reason for firing Jim Comey was that he was unfair to Hillary Clinton in their investigation. That's the official reason, that he was wrong in how he handled Hillary Clinton's case. And eventually, they got Christopher Ray appointed by Donald Trump, and now Republicans just want to tear him to shreds. Listen to Marjorie Taylor Greene. Show us all how to step on a rake. Were you aware of this? Uh, Congresswoman, as I said, I haven't seen the photos that you're holding up uh, before. Maybe, well, I posted them on my Twitter account. It's, it's public. You know, maybe I don't you guys spend are, a lot of time on Twitter. Well, you know, you, you sh- oh, I'm sure you do. Because the Department of Homeland Security, organized with other offices, has censored many Americans, including myself. I'm not I mean, part of the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, right, Mr. Ray, you should you should be you should be interested in investigating terrorism. And this, <laughs> he's the director of the FBI. Oh, God. oh Chris, it's kind of well, who gets your vote, Captain? I, you you always are the one who decides who wins the unpopular opinions contest. Who who is the dumber of the two, or or is there another Skywalker that I've overlooked? I you know how I. I feel about Louis Gohmert, so it's it's very um, close to your heart. I know. I'm um, comedy. 
I just look. <laughs> I, I, it's easy to say Marjorie Taylor Greene, but there's this thing about Clay Higgins. Um, did you ever watch the TV show Coach, John? Yes, yes. Craig T. Nelson. Yeah. Jerry Van Dyke plays a character named Luther on that show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a Clay Higgins sounds. <laughs> Like if if Jerry Van Dyke's character Luther was was elevated to Congress, and so for that alone, I think he might be dumber than MJG. MTG. I guess, but you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene to me is like if if the comments section was elevated to Congress. So I I, I get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's rough. Yeah. Bob Dylan had a good show last night, Chris, in Brooklyn. I hope it made you miss Brooklyn. It's a good packed I, house. I, I, I saw uh, at one point he said he told the crowd, "Let me hear you say yeah." Yeah, I've never thought I'd hear Bob Dylan say those words, but he was having fun by the end of this one. And it was great. The band just, the lights come up, the band's playing on stage, and then Bob just walks on stage in his cowboy hat, sits at the piano, and just starts beating the shit out of it for two hours. My God, the bootlegs of this show. He plays so much freaking piano. It it, it was just crazy. He's so expressive. And that theater you saw it in is one of... um the Brooklyn boroughs, I think great treasures at this point, maybe mm. for the entire city, but it's so yeah. deep into Brooklyn that very few people I feel like will ever actually experience it. It's, it's true. Re- and it's around the corner from where my dad grew up. My dad lived, my dad as a child was on church Avenue in Flatbush. So it's not, it's actually very close to where I used to go as a kid. That was, that was, it's called the King's theater. That yeah. was a long derelict, long was King's dec- theater for a long time. Decades long abandoned theater. Yeah. From the seventies in the heart of Flatbush, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they undertook this like decade long, um, project to basically restore it to its original grandeur and then some and uh, make it a historical yeah it's it's an amazing space and you would never suspect that, that that's what you're about to walk into it looks so small from the outside and then you walk in and it's just massive on the inside just massive and and huge room wide room great crowd cheering and screaming the whole time it was like seeing bob in a tiny club show that was the vibe except it was this big beautiful theater just great and bob was having a good time you can tell i is it true that he found you in the crowd and shot you a wink is that he true he did yes that's hap- that happens at every show I go to. He does it just for me. So can I talk about what, what else happened yesterday? Because I wasn't here. But, you know, tens of thousands of people um, uh, gathered in D.C. for this March for Israel rally. And um, the aims of it were to support Israel and to call for the release of over 200 hostages captured and held by Hamas since their evil terrorist attack of October 7th uh, and to stand against anti-Semitism. And to oppose calls for a ceasefire in Gaza, uh, because that got booed. Um, At least 11,240 Palestinians have been killed so far, but the crowd was chanting phrases like no ceasefire. But the main reasons they did it were uh, to stand against anti-Semitism and to support Israel. Now, you might think, okay, well, that makes sense. but, but, But did you ever consider that maybe those two things aren't the same? Maybe standing against anti-Semitism and supporting Israel aren't necessarily the same thing. Yeah, I always say all the time, you know, if you oppose the actions of the Netanyahu government, it doesn't mean you're anti-Jewish. Just like if you oppose the actions of Hamas, it doesn't mean you're anti-Muslim. Both sides deserve much better leaders. There were many speakers throughout the day, many relatives of hostages, members of Congress from both parties. Speaker of the House Mike Johnson was there. Uh, Democratic House Leader Hakeem Jeffries 
Senate Leader Chuck Schumer, uh, Senator Joni Ernst was there, Congressman Richie Torres, and also on the stage, apparently unbeknown to a lot of the, the more liberal groups that showed up, was John Hagee, pastor, television evangelist, and he's the chair of Christians United for Israel. You remember this guy, right? He was the spiritual advisor to John McCain in 2008, who once blamed Jews for the Holocaust. That guy. He spoke at the March for Israel rally yesterday. Just let, let that sink in a bit. This was the guy who once said that God sent Hitler to help Jews reach the promised land. And he spoke at the big pro-Israel rally in Washington, D.C. yesterday. He's an ally of Prime Minister Netanyahu. He is the founder of the far-right organization Christians United for Israel, which has deep ties to the Republican Party. He made a lot of news in 2008 when McCain had to disavow his endorsement after all the anti-Catholic remarks Hagee made had been publicized. He called the Catholic Church a great whore. He was one of the speakers yesterday on the National Mall. Tens of thousands of people. The leader of Christians United for Israel, which is a Christian nationalist and Christian Zionist advocacy group. And he said there's no middle ground in this conflict. You're either for the Jewish people or you're not. He said this is a far right wing guy who said Israel alone has the right to determine how this war is going to be conducted and concluded. And he said a lot of things to get the crowd to cheer. Here's a quick little clip of Pastor John Hagee yesterday on the mall in uh, an hour before all those Democrats came on the same stage at the rally. Give a listen. A freedom-loving democracy. Israel is this and more. Israel is the apple of God's eye. Israel is the shining city on the hill. Israel says, God says of Israel, Israel is my firstborn son. Jer <laughs> Jerusalem is the city of God. Jerusalem is the shoreline of eternity. Jerusalem is the eternal capital of Israel today and forever. You get the idea, right? Now, um, this is the guy who said that God sent Hitler to carry out the Holocaust to help Jews reach the Promised Land. This is a guy who pushes the completely debunked theory that Hitler was a half-breed Jew, that Israel is the only home God ever intended for the Jewish people to have. Sorry, American Jews. Uh, there, there are those who might say, hey, why would you invite this guy on stage at a rally against anti-Semitism? Because being anti-Semitic, um, being anti-Jewish prejudice, it's not the same as being pro-Israel. He's, in 1999, said the thing about Hitler helped Jews reach the promised land. He made a lot of anti-gay comments over the years. He called, uh, when, when the Supreme Court ruled in favor of same-sex marriage in 2015, he called America the new Sodom and Gomorrah. He's clearly never read that story. In 2006, he said Hurricane Katrina was the judgment of God against the city of New Orleans for holding a pride parade. And again, he claimed that Hitler came from a lineage of accursed, genocidally murdered half-breed Jews. He has suggested it was Jews' disobedience of God that led to their persecution, and the teachers' unions are brainwashing children to become transgender. Now, why would Senator Schumer, why would Congressman Jeffries allow themselves to be on the same stage? I, I get going to a pro-war March for Israel rally. I get it. J Street, which is a liberal Jewish organization, said a dangerous bigot like Hagee should not be welcomed anywhere in our community. 
period. But see, here's what it's about, and I'll make this quick. A lot of these Christian Zionists believe they need Israel to bring about the end of the world because that's when Jews will eternally be damned. John Hagee is a big member of this End Times Christianity Club, believes, according to the Bible, even though the Bible doesn't say this, at some point the Antichrist will arrive, Jesus and the dead will rise, the rapture which that word never appears in the Bible, will ensue. People will lift in the air towards heaven. Everyone left behind will go through years of destruction, disasters, and pain. He calls Jews God's chosen people, but it's because they play a crucial role in this big finale. This is the kind of Christianity that believes Israel has to be preserved so Armageddon can happen and Jews are forced to convert to Christianity before blue-eyed Jesus comes back and raptures the church. Here's one more clip really quick of Pastor Hagee talking about Hitler the Hunter. Then God sent a hunter. A hunter is someone who comes with a gun and he forces you. Hitler was a hunter. Why did it happen? Because God said, my top priority for the Jewish people is to get them to come back to the land of Israel. Then God so that's who these Democrats shared a stage with yesterday. A far-right evangelical Christian who supports Israel because he believes the destruction of Jews will bring about the second coming of Christ. Pastor John Hagee. I get that he's big on slaughtering Palestinians. That checks out. I get it. But again, understand, these right-wing Christian fundamentalists are pro-Jewish the same way the people who go to Kentucky Fried Chicken are pro-fried chicken. You understand? This is the most powerful anti-Semite in America. And he's war-hungry, he's imperialist, and these Jews that were clapping for him, he believes will either have to convert or die or both. He is the poster boy for a sick brand of anti-Christianity that wants all Jewish people to move back to Israel because he believes that has to happen to trigger the apocalypse. Not a good outcome for the Jews or anyone who's not in his particular church. And he's got a long record of bigotry. And it's really curious that a pro-Israel rally thought this guy deserved a speaking slot. I wouldn't have given him a parking validation. This comes while Joe Biden continues to reject calls for a ceasefire. Uh, amidst this onslaught that has killed or wounded or left missing more than 40,000 Palestinian civilians, more than half of them women, children, and elders. Instead, we're requesting $14 billion for more military aid, on top of the $4 billion Israel already gets every year from Washington, and we can't get a ceasefire. So anyone out there who doesn't believe the Holocaust was a gift, or that Hitler was a half-breed Jew, or that Jews were only meant to live in Israel and not here in the U.S., well, you already know this guy isn't a friend of Israel. You already know this guy's not a friend of the Jewish people. He's an anti-Semitic, anti-Islamic ghoul, adhering to this fringe belief that Israel has to exist to fulfill end-time prophecies, so the deaths of all people, of all non-Christians' faiths, will go down. This was supposed to support Israel and fight anti-Semitism. But the fact that Hagee was on stage proves those things aren't the same. You can support Israel, and you can spread anti-Semitism. I didn't think it was possible, but they proved it to us yesterday. And all you Democrats who stood with this guy to demand more bombing, you made a lot of MAGAs very, very happy. Democrats should not be on stage at an event with a guy like John Hagee. Guys, I'm rooting for you. I like you. You got to go home and stare in the mirror for a couple of hours after this. We want to know what you think. We're at 866-997-GRIT, and we'll be right back with the great Bob Seska. This is Progress. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. 
That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on. Because you know I love it when you do. This just here, it's kind of getting nuts outside the DNC in, uh, in Washington, D.C. At the Democratic National Committee headquarters, multiple arrests have been made by law enforcement. There are protesters demanding a ceasefire. And there are reports that police have been getting rough with protesters. I love it when violence breaks out at an anti-war rally, don't you? More on this as it develops. Right now, I am so pleased to welcome back to the show the great Bob Seska. Maybe you fell in love with Bob on the Stephanie Miller Show. Maybe you were smitten with his brain when you read his columns in the Daily Banter or Salon.com. We are blessed to have him class up this joint every Wednesday night. He hosts one of the best podcasts you can hope to hear if you care about music or politics. Mr. Bob Seska, welcome back. Hey, John. You know, uh, whether it's what's happening at the DNC, which I'm only just now seeing video of, and I think it was taken about an hour ago, but uh, whether it's that or what's been happening in Congress, I go back to this thing that I've been tweeting about a lot lately, which I've been calling the American nervous breakdown. I feel like there's something going on out there that is driving people to do things that they wouldn't normally do. Uh, I'm trying to put my finger on what those things are, but I know one of them is Donald Trump. (laughs) I mean, that's part of it. Uh, One of them is the Internet. And that leads me to my other meme that I've been repeating over and over again, which is shut down the Internet, which I don't really mean specifically. But, you know, where will will children get their porn, Bob? Where will kids get their porn, Bob? (laughs) Right. Right. Well, I mean, my ongoing thesis, John, is that um, we just weren't evolved enough as a species to be able to handle the Internet when it came along. It just came along way too easy in our evolution. And we're just having a really hard time digesting all of that information. And yes, there are many myriad good things about the Internet. I certainly have made my entire career for the last 25 years on the Internet. So I'm very grateful for it. But at the same time, there are many, many people among us who are on the Internet, whether it's the social media aspect of the Internet or any other thing. And they just can't deal with the things that they're reading. They don't know how to how to compartmentalize those things. They don't yes. know how to differentiate uh, reality from fantasy or truth from fiction. And it's becoming 
Yeah, it's obviously we're seeing it on the Internet every day. I mean, we're actually seeing the consequences of the Internet on the Internet, which is ironic. But yeah, yeah. You know, for a while, Bob, I during Trump's administration, I, I called this what the fuck fatigue. You know, that our outrage circuits were just so burned out. We had so many what the fucks every day. And then I I thought we were entering a period called the great unclenching, that there was a part of us that just your your jaw, your fists, your sphincter, your your shoulders, your neck that just tensed up when Trump was elected president or during the the covid. uh, And that this time would be the unclenching. We could begin to breathe again. But we have something else which I call PTSD, pandemic, Trump, shitstorm, dystopia. I think we are all just beaten raw. And a lot of us have either never learned or have chosen to forget how grown-ups act in public. Yeah, God, that's such a great point. I mean, we've lost touch with our sense of decency and compromise and and uh, being a unified society in, in, in some way. I mean, obviously, it's a large country. We're never going to all agree on everything. That's not the way it goes. That was never the intention. But we're at this point now where we've become so utterly tribal and split. Uh, I mean, it's sort of... It's kind of a soft secession, as I've been uh, referring to it as, where it's not I mean, it's not states seceding. It's actual cultures seceding from each other in this country. And we know what the driving forces are behind that uh, separation. We know what's causing this secession and it's intentional. And the purpose of it is to divide and conquer, basically, to, you know, get our hearts and minds by telling us who we should hate and who we should line up against and who we should punch in many cases. Yeah. So it's uh, and when we were kids, that was always when we were kids, that was always communism. When we were kids, yeah. it was always an existential foe that we could right. be counted on to, despite our differences, come together. And, you know, after the Iron Curtain fell for a while, it was for a while it was drug dealers. Um, Lethal Weapon 2 tried to make it apartheid. I like that back in 89. Mm. But uh, without an existential threat of terrorists, we turn on each other. And it's going to be yeah. trans children. It's going to be liberals. It's going to be professors. It's going to be women who want abortions. What I mean, you pick it. You know, we are we are hardwired. Some of us, I guess, to try to fight each other. And those are the people who have the best shot of getting on TV. That's right. And the worst side effect of all of this, John, is people have become disgusted with the idea of democracy. I don't know yes. if disgusted is the right word, but certainly people have decided, hey, what else is there? What else we got over here? And of course, well, we know we all know the famous Winston Churchill quote, democracy is the worst form of government except for all the others. Yes. And irrespective of that, people are kind of looking around for one of the others, which is insane. And one of the others happens to be this style of Trump idiocratic fascism that we're dealing with right now. Yes. So that, that's uh, one of the stakes of the upcoming election. Democracy well, got, versus that. But I got good news for you, Bob, because if it gets scary, if it gets mm-hmm. scary out there, if the shit's going to jump off, if we ever think that we're actually in danger, Mark Wayne Mullen is here. To beat up whoever yeah. gets in his way because he's that secure in his incredibly solid manhood. Um, what do you make of Republican Fight Club? You know, we, we saw this yesterday where Bernie Sanders literally had to quell a beef the same day we hear that, like, McCarthy is getting into physical tussles with member of his caucus. Uh, um, yeah. I know the first rule of Republican Fight Club is there is no Republican Fight Club. But what do you think? 
Well, this begins with eliminationist rhetoric that we've seen for at least the last 20 years. This kind of uh, uh, we can't just oppose the other side. We have to destroy the other side. And I'm talking about uh, Republicans uh, discussing Democrats. We have to destroy them. I mean, we've seen the iconography in campaign ads and so on with uh, crosshairs on, you know, the candidate's name. Or we see lots of in fact, I, I used to collect them. Uh, Republican campaign videos of Republican either members of Congress or candidates for Congress or candidates for state legislature, governor, et cetera, on down the line, shooting things that they don't like, shooting the tax code, shooting the Affordable Care Act. Yeah. I mean, literally oh printing out the pages, setting them up and and shooting them. There's a there's a video going yeah. around of Rand Paul shooting the tax code at a gun range. There's a, I, another we, we, video. We, we, we watched Kid Rock shoot a, a case of Bud Light and miss yeah. with an AR-15 yeah. in his backyard. Yeah, that's what right. men and do. So, exactly. That's figurative, but that seeps into the minds of all of the Republican loyalists, uh, Donald Trump's disciples in particular, and Donald Trump's copycats, for that matter. Yeah. Uh, people like Rand Paul. And the next stage of that evolution is, well, if we really hate these people and we really think that they're destroying the country, if they're really communists and Marxists and radical left Democrats, as Donald Trump says, then we must also take matters into our own hands by assaulting them physically. We saw that on January 6th. Yeah. We've seen many, many examples over the years. About We've seen mass shootings as a consequence of this kind of ideology. And so we're, it's, it makes perfect sense that someone like Mark Wayne Mullen would try to throw down against a teamster <laughs> in a congressional hearing. or Against or a teamster. Wimpy Kevin McCarthy doing a sucker punch shot to someone's back, for God's sake. Just I mean, if I were to predict how Kevin McCarthy would assault someone, that's exactly what I would have predicted. Guy's oh, back is turned and he jabs him in the kidneys. That's a complete like cowardly Kevin. They're McCarthy all thing they're to all do. turning on each other, Bob. I spent yeah, half the yeah. day hearing these various rumors about who Kevin McCarthy's having an affair with. It's two different people. And all of it comes from Republicans. Oh, I mean, I don't know if you heard yeah. the same things, but all. All of it comes from other Republicans. Um, let, wow. let me shift a bit. I had because, no idea that was happening. That's news oh, to me that there are rumors oh, about that. Oh yes, more yeah. than that. Uh, there's 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 Newsmax anchors making little oblique references to things right now. Like there's a lot of stuff that's going to come out. I think. Um, Wouldn't it be crazy if he was having an affair with George Santos? That would be. I mean, talk about a story that would explode uh, the internet. I mean, literally. That would Twitter that would, would make me care up. again. That would make me care again, Bob. <laughs> yeah. I think that would chip yeah. away all my indifference and my desolate, burnt out shell of a man exterior. And I would, yes, I would I would laugh again if we found out yeah. that was the case. But it's not. Um, right. Instead, we have this report in the times about donald trump's plan if he gets the white house next year this is not his nazi talk this is his plan to essentially never leave office if he wins again next year and yeah. to use the office and use the power of our tax dollars to go after anyone who's ever said anything critical about him ever it is sheer petulance and yeah. it seems to be all you need to get the nomination in this party i mean between that and the vermin thing that's yeah. exactly why those guys were throwing down in Congress yesterday to change the story from right. Donald Trump equals Hitler, Republicans equal Hitler into, oh, look at these. Oh, how fun is this? Uh, Mark Wayne Mullen is trying to get into a fisticuffs with uh, a teamster or Kevin McCarthy did this or James Comer and Bernie Sanders. 
and and so that that's the whole point of that whole facade from yesterday that whole show that we saw but yes. i mean very realistic and very seriously we are staring down the barrel i've been saying it for a while now in broader terms fascism versus democracy but that's what we face in the next election and if donald trump wins he will not leave office he wants to be dictator for life he wants to be the american vladimir putin and he is saying so in public he said for well since the 2020 election since he continued doing all of those rallies in those rallies he's been saying that he deserves a do-over for his first term. I mean, this is something that maybe he's joking about, but who the hell knows with someone who's so humorless as Donald Trump. But he he says he needs a do-over of his first term because of the Russia investigation. So mm. that is pretext. I mean, the Red Hats, I don't know if they see the nuance of something like that. I think they're going to expect care. that that he stays in office beyond just whatever this next term would be if you know, this freak accident happens and Donald Trump uh, gets elected again. But even beyond whatever that was at his rallies about do overs, he said on Univision on video. I mean, it's you can go and look it up on the Internet um, that he will uh, arrest anyone who challenges him in 2028. So he yeah. gets elected in 2024, inaugurated in 25. Then 2028 rolls around. People start to line up to run for president as they normally do. And certainly it's going to be an open catacall on the Republican side, too, because ostensibly oh, Donald right. Trump doesn't get another term. He's going to take another term. And that's a whole other aspect of this. But what's going to happen at that point is he's going to arrest. He promised to arrest, indict uh, all of his opponents in that yeah. circumstance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and then beyond that, I mean, he is setting it up so that the federal bureaucracy no longer has anyone who will tell him no. So he is going to stack the federal bureaucracy with 54,000, I think, loyalists who they and by the way, this is not something that's hypothetical. This is not something that's just in the planning stages. They are actually executing this plan starting now. There have been reports. I think it was Axios and several other mainstream news outlets were reporting that trump's people are interviewing uh loyalists to take over those tens yeah. of thousands of jobs if he were to uh, become elected again and the point of that again to emphasize this the point of those fifty-four thousand loyalists is to make sure that no one removes donald trump from office when it's time to go correct and then you correct. stack that up with the jenna ellis video and here we are what do you make of the Jenna Ellis video and, and, and the fact that it was leaked as it was? Well, um, I, I, I'm pretty sure it was. What did we learn today? It was uh, one of the defendants, one of the co-conspirators, Harrison Floyd, I think, leaked yes. it. Yeah. And so uh, beyond the uh, the courtroom intrigue of all of that, uh, the video itself is obviously things that uh, we're all we've all been warning about where Jenna Ellis discusses how Donald Trump in at a Christmas party in 2020, uh, she and Dan Scavino, who is basically social media Donald Trump. I mean, the, yeah, we don't know which tweets Donald Trump wrote and which tweets Dan Scavino wrote. True. But most everything went through Dan Scavino. Donald Trump, I don't think actually tweeted anything like he physically he would send like a post-it note or something to someone. But regardless, Dan Scavino tells uh, Jenna Ellis that there's no intention to leave office. We're going to stay. And that's it. We're not going. We're not going to leave on January 20th, 2021. Of course, they did, you know, but that doesn't matter. The plan was to stay. 
And I always think about what that would have looked like if Donald Trump had just refused to leave the White House. What is the eventuality with regard to that circumstance? What is the what is the stopgap measure? <laughs> Who drags yeah. him out of there? And uh, and we're going to we're going to really have to consider that question because I think it's going to happen again. I think we're going to be faced with that actual thing in full execution next time. And are you worried about Donald Trump? I mean, I kind of just I, I maybe I'm naive, but I kind of feel like these criminal trials are going to take care of it. I think when I hear I, I had a lady come up to me angry after a show I did last week in, in, in Massachusetts, Republican lady and said Republicans are half of the country. And I had to say to her, uh, they're 27 percent. You know, I mean, if there's high turnout, I'm not worried about a thing. And I, I keep thinking, Bob, we're not going to be voting next year on Biden versus Trump. And no one's voting for Biden. They're voting against Trumpism. The real issue that's on the ballot is, do you want Trump to be in the White House or do you want Trump to be in jail? And I think Democrats yeah. have to start selling at that because that is going to be the choice next year. And for this reality show culture, I bet more of us would vote to see him go to prison. You know, I'm in this weird place, John, where on one hand, I am extraordinarily concerned about Donald Trump and what he would do uh, were he to become president again. On the other hand, I'm feeling pretty confident about next year's election. I, yeah. I have nothing to base that on. I just feel pretty good. Just I think going through some of the uh, or many Democratic victories recently, whether mm -hmm. special elections or certainly these this recent off year election and so on. And so Democrats are doing really, really well, overperforming, exceeding expectations. And so in that regard, I have no reason to believe that won't continue next year. Certainly, Joe Biden's already done it once. So yeah. there's a solid chance he can do it again. I'm talking about defeating Donald Trump. And it's very unlikely that Donald Trump will increase his voter base Correct. by any significant yes. number. I think he's hit yes. a ceiling on that. Oh, yeah. no, I don't know if you've heard, Bob, but they say now uh, up to 20 percent of African-Americans might support Donald Trump. Have you heard 20 <laughs> percent? And I'm like, so what uh, you're saying is the headline is four out of five African-Americans still support the Democratic Party. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe that number. That's just, Nor do that's I. just insane. But I mean, no. one thing I wanted to mention, though, is we shouldn't rely on these prosecutions to stop Donald Trump. I'm not saying they won't. I'm just saying that I think we need to calibrate ourselves around the notion of it's really down to us. It's really down to voters and making the right choice. And I think the yes. choice is extraordinarily obvious. I mean, we're talking about... <laughs> fascism versus democracy we're talking about i think in some cases people are concerned about inflation and are kind of taking a look at the republicans again which drives me insane i don't know why yep. they would do that i i think it's this i think it's this thing with a lot of american voters where they have short short short-term memory issues where exactly. they forget the fact that the previous Republican presidents, and when I say that, all Republican presidents going back to Taft yep. presided over recessions during their presidency. You're right. So that's You're 100 right. years. It's more than 100 years of Republican presidents. Each one of them has presided over a recession, and people are going, well, you know, inflation's at 3.2%, and, and it costs 20 cents more to buy a loaf of bread. So let's try that fascism guy. And oh, exactly. by the way, he's going to completely destabilize the economy anyway. Exactly, There's probably going to be Bob. another recession. God. Yeah. Boom. I, I, we've got to get this message through. This is such an important uh, argument to make for those people who are still like, ah, oh, gas is $3. What? Ah. Uh, 
duh, Joe Biden, $3 gas. I know. But it like the last 35 years, 35 years straight, every Democratic president has left the economy better than he found it. Every Republican president has left it worse than he found it. 35 years straight. Mr. Seska, Mm -hmm. you are the best at what you do, and you restore Mm -hmm. my hope in a darkened world every time. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you and support your work? Uh, You can follow my podcast on my Patreon page, bobseskashow.com. Also, everywhere you get your podcasts. You can listen for free everywhere you get podcasts, by the way. Brilliant. So good to have you, Bob. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great evening. We'll be right back with your calls in just a moment. This is SiriusXM Progress at 866-997-4748. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. This is SiriusXM. I'm John saying Thank you so much for joining us here on Channel 127. It's great to be with you. Uh, our number is 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT is still our number right here at the Love Fest that is Tell Me Everything. I am so pleased to welcome our next guest back to the show. I'm happy anytime we can get this gentleman to join us. Uh, Max Burns is a terrific journalist, a terrific broadcaster. He's guest hosted here plenty, of t- enough to make me realize this guy knows what he's doing. Um, and of course, he is someone who has written some of the tightest and most uh, cogent analysis of our current political scene. I, I read his new piece and I immediately called him and said, Max, I, I know you've done the show plenty of times, but can you please join us? Because I began the show on Monday night talking about Donald Trump just going right back to the rhetorical playbook of 1930s and 40s fascism. I mean, the vermin comment got a little bit of traction, but it's not the first time he's done it. He's referred to undocumented immigrants as an infestation. He has long embraced dehumanizing language, so we will view certain minorities as less than human. So Max really nails it in a great new piece, because it's not so much about Trump, it's about the response to it. The piece in The Hill, Trump goes all in on Nazi rhetoric, and the media gives him another free pass. What a pleasure to welcome the great Max Burns back to Sirius XM. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Max, thank you for being had. Um, I, I got to admit, it takes a lot to surprise me with this guy. But it, it what surprises me the most about the vermin comment was how deliberate and not careless the word seemed. 
Yeah, I mean, these are not accidental. I mean, do you remember back in 2016, that more innocent time when the media was actually scolding people for comparing Donald Trump to the Nazis and echoing that he was talking about fascist talking points? Now there is no doubt. I mean, even the president of the United States, Joe Biden, has called this out as as echoing the Nazis. Major newspapers highlighted in the moment that it happened that it sounded an awful lot like what Nazis said. Trump followed it up by saying that the, the, uh, the left was poisoning the blood of our country. He said things before about enemies of the people in the left and how we need to to take serious steps to deal with the left before they corrupt America. I mean, these are things that are not just Nazi adjacent. These aren't things that can be misconstrued. These are in some cases almost word for word copies of things that Nazis said. And at least now we're finally seeing some people call that out. Yeah, but you know, I, I, I'm with you. But again, the, it's just it's scary how reminiscent this talk is. I mean, the the poisoning the blood. That is just vintage Hitler 101. I mean, you know, I don't know who it is that's writing these scripts, if this is Dan Scavino or if this is even uh, uh, Stephen Miller, because that's why I love America. Only in America would a Jewish boy have a chance of growing up to be an adult Nazi. But, you know, as scary as Trump's authoritarian plans we learned about uh, in the Post over the weekend— this just went right back to, you know, when he would target the Chinese as disease ridden, the China virus and the Kung flu, which led to so many often deadly assaults on Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders by total strangers who believe Donald Trump. I mean, in, in Mein Kampf, Hitler told Germans to care for the purity of their own blood by eliminating Jews. And Trump is saying immigrants are poisoning the blood of our country. I mean, I, I, and let me give you one more. He called for one people, one family, one glorious nation. Hitler famously said, one people, one realm, one leader. I mean, Max, I, I don't really understand. It, unless this is just to make the liberals so angry that it galvanizes the base, because otherwise it just seems way beyond indefensible. As you point out, almost every mainstream media outlet had seemingly moved on. Yeah, it is bizarre. In any other timeline in this country, a candidate for president, to say nothing of the fact that he's a former president himself, say, saying things that could have come out of Hitler's mouth in the, during the rise of the Nazi party, and then when called out on this, responding by saying that he would crush his critics and their sad, pathetic lives if he's reelected, uh, that candidate would be packing up their stuff and heading into retirement. But this guy's ahead by 50 points in the Republican primary. These This guy has Republicans, senior Republicans, the chairwoman of the party, defending him and saying that that not only is this not bad, but it's somehow what people need to hear and that censoring this kind of speech is, is indefensible. But there's really not much censoring going on because most media outlets have not even really covered this story. As you mentioned, this was a story that was over in a day. And that just shows a shockingly dangerous level of normalization of this kind of rhetoric. Yeah, that's it. That's it. But here's the thing, Max, you 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 kind of buried the lead when you said he's 50 points ahead in the field and he is. So why is he trying so hard? 
He's got the nomination if he wants it. And he seems to be doing very well against Biden. If you believe these New York Times Siena polls, I don't. But if he's doing this well in the polling with all these criminal charges against him and after January 6th, more power to the guy. Why is he trying so hard and why is he doing the exact stuff that didn't help him in 18, 20, 22 or last week? Because I think this is the core of what Donald Trump believes. I mean, I think that he thinks not only does it get him rapturous applause from his base, but it it builds him up. It builds up the image he has of himself, the image that his followers have of him. If you notice, the fact that this was not on mainstream media doesn't mean that it was not on media. If you looked at right wing media, The Daily Wire, Steve Bannon's podcast, if you looked at Breitbart, that speech was everywhere. And the message was Donald Trump is finally saying it plain, that he's our guy, that he believes what we believe and that that people are finally ready to hear it. So this is in many ways a rallying call to his base. And it's something that may not become clear in the broader campaign for another couple of months as this builds. But the message is clear that this is a fascist campaign. There's not going to be any more apologizing. There won't be any more pretending that's not what this is because they think that they can win with it. Right. I just don't understand why at at this point, you know, shake the etch-a-sketch, as my old friends in the Romney campaign would say at this point, like you don't have to keep on trying to run for the nomination. But but this worked for Trump last time. We thought he would moderate himself a bit once he got the nomination in 2016, and he went even more fascist. And it turned out that worked. Yeah. And I think part of this is having its intended effect, which is Trump comes out and says these things, and he knows exactly what he's saying. And the people who write for him know what they're writing, because in many cases, they overlap with these far right white supremacist communities online. I mean, there are people on the Trump campaign who are day to day involved in places like Stormfront and white nationalist websites. So they're aware of what messaging to use. And the goal is to exhaust the media, to say these things so frequently that by the time this election comes around, it's old hat. So Donald Trump can say, let's get rid of the vermin of the left and potentially get camps to deport migrants. But the media responds by saying, well, that's just who Donald Trump is. That's part Mm -hmm. of his brand. Nothing to see here. When in fact, we know that given the chance, he will make good on those promises. Let me go to the phones. Um, Do we have Lisa in New Mexico on the line? Lisa, welcome. Thank you for waiting on hold. Hi, Lisa. Welcome. You're on with the great Max Burns. Welcome. I don't believe that he believes any of this for a minute. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that he thinks that it will have him win. So what is the end game here? Is this just to grift? This is what baffles me. I mean, Max, he's right. I don't get it. No, I I think at core, I mean, if you look at him going back to before he was a political candidate, Donald Trump has been been raised in this culture of might makes right, that the strong do what they want and the weak suffer what they must. I mean, that part of it is real. That strong man appeal really speaks to Donald Trump, I think, on a personal level. And he sees himself as that kind of vaulting Mussolini figure who's building statues of him in the in the town square. I, I don't know that he cares so much about fascist history or values, but they certainly seem to dovetail with what he believes personally. Hmm. But it's not helping him. 
that's the thing. I mean, it's not maybe it's helping him in the short term fundraising, but I mean, exactly. she's right. There's there's no way. How can you look at what happened in 2020 and 2022 and think that this kind of critical race theory, red meat racism, thinly veiled, is going to help you with the moderates and independents you'll need a year from now? I just I, I, I guess it's just a grift and they're all on the same grift train, Max, and they just don't care. They're going to ride this thing and suck as many nickels out as they can. Well, the profitability helps for sure. Go ahead. Yeah, and and it's also the fact that Donald Trump, not known really for his long-term strategic thinking, he does what vibes in the moment (laughs) and what brings people to the rallies. And sometimes he'll just get bored and test the waters and say something insane just to see if anyone does anything. And it's all sort of testing the boundaries and testing the fences ahead of the actual election. But I, I do. I think part of me thinks also he's just bored. Mm-hmm. Well, his audience yeah. is. <laughs> You're right about that. I mean, what do you th- what do you think? You think a year from now we're going to see the nominees being uh, being Donald Trump and Joe Biden? Not I you, still Max. Absolute- oh, oh, yeah. Still there? Max. Oh, no, you, you. Yeah, he's going to be the nominee. And who do you he'll like for the election? Jail. If it's if it's Trump, I don't think he'll be in jail. He'll be on appeal probably. But if it's Trump and Biden, how do you see it playing out? Oh, Biden will kick his ass, of course. Yeah, I think so. You too. can't win on this. You can't. You can't. And I think that's what the White House is counting on. But thank you so much. I mean, Max, we've counted on it before. Hillary Clinton counted on it. I remember how powerful the campaigns were that just showed children listening to Trump's actual words, but it wasn't yeah. enough. No, I mean, there's a powerful undercurrent in this country that agrees with what Donald Trump is saying, that the left is vermin, that it would probably be for the benefit of the country to imprison or kill them, or at the very least, as a lot of these white nationalist Nick Fuentes types have said, to take their voting rights away, just to limit the problem they can cause us in the future, and we'll figure out what to do with them later. That used to be an insane right-wing fringe position. But now you have people like Josh Hawley writing op-eds in national newspapers making the case for military authority over these kinds of situations. It is stunning how quickly this has become the mainstream Republican position. So here's the million-dollar question, Mr. Burns. If Donald Trump does somehow manage to get reelected a year from now, is it fair to say that the American media will once again be as complicit as they were last time. I think that we certainly see the media hasn't learned any lessons from last time. I mean, we now see the Republicans very openly organizing Trump's second term and the plans they have to kick out 50,000 employees to take over the government with loyalists. They're telling us bluntly the media could not be bothered to do a special on it. And if that doesn't alarm you, I don't know what will. That's it, man. This is what still alarms me is that I I believe journalists want to stop Trump, but the media wants their Trump size ratings because the media misses their Trump size ratings. And, And so, you know, journalists might be opposed to this. They care about the future of democracy. But the people who write the checks for the journalists, they care about satisfying shareholders with higher numbers. And Donald Trump represents higher numbers a lot better than this old man Biden talking about making nice with China. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. The journalists, every journalist I've spoken to has at their core the desire to strengthen this democracy and to tell the truth. But as you mentioned, the people who keep the lights on, they have different masters and they certainly have have served them to the detriment of democracy recently. 
Yeah. Hey, Max, by the way, uh, let me ask you, you know, how do you feel the Republican field is rebounding from losing uh, Tim Scott and Mike Pence? Um, You know, we saw this big debate last week and it was very exciting because only one could be a distant number two. Uh, But it looks like Tim Scott kind of saw the writing on the wall, as did Mike Pence and, and, and got out. Is it even worth talking about these other also rans? No, I mean, the reality is Tim Scott probably didn't lose any votes by dropping out. It wasn't clear that he had any traction. He clearly didn't have the foresight to tell his own staff. Many of them were on planes to Iowa when he announced that they didn't have jobs anymore, uh, which is if that's the way he's managed his campaign, we shouldn't be surprised it tanked. But when your second place person is 40 points behind the front runner, I mean, it's tough to keep me interested, let alone Republican voters who have made up their mind. Yeah, but as you pointed out, Tim Scott in that debate last week doubled down on a 15-week abortion ban the night after it destroyed the Virginia Republican Party in the statewide election. So it looks like the GOP is going to be at war with themselves on this issue as well. Do you see this evolving in any way? It seems like anyone talking about any kind of ban with any number of weeks is playing right into uh, this self-destructive streak the GOP has cultivated for 40 years. No, that's dead on. I mean, Tim Scott stood on that stage and, and pointed at Nikki Haley and said, you're wrong. I don't think it hurts Republicans to talk about abortion. And less than a week later, Tim Scott is out of the race. So that shows you how well that works out. I mean, at this point, Republicans are aware that this is an issue Democrats win on. They've seen the same referendums lose that uh, that we have they understand that when elections hinge on abortion voters move to democrats by 20 points the problem is they can't not talk about it because people like tim scott people like ron DeSantis, want to talk about it to appease the base and so you're gaining this base you already have and losing the voters that you need and nikki haley at least understands this i don't know that anyone else on that stage does a good point. I, I do have to say, as a fan of comedy, I like Vivek Ramaswamy. I'm glad that they've added him as a cast regular for this season. Um, I know that he does something remarkable. He 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 makes Nikki Haley look really, really good. And I wouldn't be surprised if at some point we find out Nikki Haley has been paying Vivek Ramaswamy to come on stage to make her look very presidential. But is he good in a broader sense? Does having him on stage just make this Republican field look so bad that it might actually help democracy? Because the way Alan Keyes made the entire Republican Party look bad, for example, I mean, you know, is there some advantage to having this clown on this stage or is it just completely icky and it doesn't matter because it's the Donald Trump show and these people don't even factor into it? No, I think he matters a lot because even for Republicans, I mean, we saw in the favorability polls that came out after that debate Even if you step away from the partisanship of it, Vivek Ramaswamy's a jerk. And he was an awful person to Nikki Haley, attacking her parenting, attacking her daughter. And it just reveals at the core what the Republican Party is willing to stomach in order to try and own the libs. Is this nasty, complete abandonment of any sort of family values, positive messaging And Ramaswamy is clearly just panicking because his polls have come back down to earth. He knows this is about over and he's trying to replicate that success from the first debate. But now we see that he only has that one trick in his pocket and everybody has learned exactly how to beat him on that stage. So every debate that he's on there just keeps that fight going. And as a Democrat, I am 
more than happy to let the American people see these people fight each other. I, I agree. Uh, Max, there was an accidental brief flare up of uh, hero worship for a Republican who maybe doesn't deserve the hero worship today. You know, Democrats love to find anything nice they can say about any Republican. God bless them. Democrats can be nice people. And that's why Liz Cheney got way too blown up for being right about one thing in her entire life. But Chip Roy was really mad today. And he began challenging his colleagues in the House and the Republican Party to present one material significant thing the Republican Party has done. And a lot of liberal folks were sharing this all over the place. I want to play just a really quick snippet of it. I'm sure you've heard it. Chris, if you have it all queued up, here is Congressman Chip Roy from Texas bringing holy hellfire to his own party for being a bunch of do-nothings. At least that's how it appears. I don't don't have that. Oh, you don't have the clip? I thought I sent it earlier today. Well, never mind. Uh, you you heard it. Um, I'm so sorry, Chris. I thought I'd send it to you. But you That's heard okay. it, Max. Uh, t- he was saying, just name one thing, one meaningful, m- m- significant thing the Republican Party has done. One thing that I can bring back to my constituents to say we've done. Folks were sharing this all over the place on social media yep. today. A lot of progressive folks saying, look, he, he calls them out. He tells the truth. The party hasn't done this damn thing. Uh, in the context, this was Chip Roy saying that we should have shut down the government. He wasn't angry that the Republican Party hasn't done anything to help people. He was literally angry that the Republican Party wasn't shutting down the government. And he said, because our kids are going to speak Mandarin. And this is just another reminder that there are two Republican parties in the House. There's the Freedom Caucus and the Republican Party. And the Freedom Caucus, the Matt Gaetzes, the Chip Roys, they don't necessarily care what happens to the GOP next year. They haven't really felt themselves part of that movement for a while. They they see themselves as part of this new MAGA iteration of the Republican Party. And in their mind, the sooner these disloyal, impure Republicans get booted out, the better. Uh, they right. all think that the Freedom Caucus will be the ones who survive, which is probably true. They represent staggeringly Republican districts. But this yeah. is as another example, I think, to the American people that this government is not working, that electing Republicans was a mistake. They can't even control themselves. I mean, these are fights that have happened before. P- Congressmen on the Democratic side said things like this under Nancy Pelosi, but you never heard it because the purpose right. of a speaker and a coherent, unified party is to process these complaints internally. This is a sign of a yes. Republican Party that has completely That's stopped working. Great, great point. I mean, again, like they can't even contain their hatred for Kevin McCarthy. We have the clip yeah. all set up. I'm sorry. That's on me. Chris, please. Uh, here's Chip Roy today. And again, a lot of Democrats shared this clip, not realizing he was actually going after his party for not being more psychotic. I want my Republican colleagues to give me one thing, one that I can go campaign on and say we did. One Anybody sitting in the complex, if you want to come down to the floor and come explain to me one material, meaningful, significant thing the Republican majority has done besides, well, I guess it's not as bad as the Democrats. Now, Max, um, it looks like we're not going to have a government shutdown. And Mike Johnson has successfully punted this thing at least into early next year. But like McCarthy, he really pissed off a lot of right wingers by relying so heavily on Democratic votes. Yeah, I think it is hilarious to me that after all of the chaos of booting Kevin McCarthy out for keeping the government open by working with Democrats, Mike Johnson, who said, I'd rather be dead than pass a CR, ends up passing a CR, keeping the government Mm -hmm. open with Democratic help. 
And the only reason Mike Johnson's head is not on the chopping block right now is because he's a member of the Freedom Caucus, and that would look embarrassing to them to have That's screwed right. up so early. So he has a couple extra lives. But you're right. I mean, Republicans in the Freedom Caucus are furious at this. They've correctly said it makes them look like fools. And even Chip Roy, I mean, Republicans cannot be clearer that Republicans suck at this. Yeah. But but again, they're mad at him because he did exactly what McCarthy did. He worked with the Democrats to keep our government from shutting down so our government will still pay its bills. I mean, yeah. and it's all hypocrisy. This guy didn't care about the spending. He doesn't care about deficits. He doesn't care about Donald Trump's tax cut that helps the wealthiest. It's all just rubbish to try to cut more funding for programs that help low income people. Um, but yep. it seems like McCarthy's I mean, McCarthy got completely fired for doing exactly what Johnson just did. You think his days are still numbered or be, do his Freedom Caucus credentials allow him to get away with this and sort of be a daywalker? For now, Mike Johnson is, is safe. I think he's going to weather this. But the challenge is for him, this is actually the easiest fight Republicans have ahead. Every other fight going forward, Ukraine, everything on Hunter Biden, this impeachment nonsense, that all gets harder from here. And he's not going to be able to rely on Democratic votes to get any of that insanity over the line. So he's yeah. either going to have to learn how to manage his party or it's going to be a disastrous next couple of months. And he may end yeah. up catching a vote to vacate. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering about. What's it going to take for Matt Gates to go and throw his little junk around? Max Burns, you are consistently the smartest kid in class. We are so deeply unworthy, but we know it. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with all your brilliance that just comes screaming out of your out of your laptop? Wow, that was very kind. You can you can still follow me on Twitter at the Max Burns and sign up for my newsletter at maxburns.substack.com. Thank you so much for joining us, Max. Really a pleasure. And again, Max's latest piece is in The Hill, and it's all about how the media just stood there and let Donald Trump get away with these horrible things he said. Can I can I close out by quoting someone? We want to burn out all the recent immoral developments in literature and theater and the press. In short, we want to burn out the poison of immorality, which has entered our whole life and culture as a result of liberal excess in the past few years. And that was Hitler. You nailed it, Max. <laughs> They're just taking a page out of his playbook. Okay, quick break. We'll be right back with your calls at 866-997-4748. This is Progress. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. 
wait a minute, I should I should stop taking Ozempic if I develop a lump in my neck? Am I hearing you right in the commercial? All right, let me write this down. Stop taking Ozempic if you develop a lump in your neck. Whew. How I'll am I remember supposed to that. know... <laughs> How am I supposed to know if my plaque psoriasis is moderate or severe? How am I supposed to know that? Why don't you just embrace being part of a community? Because I I stand with my fellow brothers and sisters who suffer from moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. And that's a broad enough definition for me. I asked my doctor if (laughs) Zelchans was right for me. He said, how the fuck do I know? (laughs) I am so pleased to welcome Dr. Tracy Pearson back to our show. She is a legal analyst consultant extraordinaire. Maybe you've seen her or read her anywhere from Forbes to Fast Company, the New York Post, Cheddar News, and News Nation. We're always thrilled when Dr. Tracy classes up this joint. Dr. Pearson, welcome back. Thank you, John. It is wonderful to hear your voice because for two days, all I've heard is banging on the floor in my house because we're having some floors replaced and Ah. I can't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry about all the banging you've heard. Uh, I told you in the break, I recommend if if the contractors get on your nerves, just do what Donald Trump does. Don't ever pay them. You can do that. <laughs> it's presidential. Yeah, they're done. <laughs> uh, I should actually come out and say that uh, this news just came in. The Senate is now sending a stopgap spending bill to Joe Biden's desk, avoiding a government shutdown with two days and about 35 minutes to spare. They're using a two-tiered deadline structured by Mike Johnson. The bill will keep part of the government open until January 19th, while funding for the military and some of the biggest domestic programs will last through February 2nd. Dr. Tracy, what do you think? They managed to kick this can down the road for another 75 days. They did. They kicked the can down the road. I, I, I would you know, give them a cake and put a candle on it, except that this is their freaking job and they ought to do it. Yeah, indeed. Uh, do you think that Mike Johnson is going to be facing a lot of pushback from uh, the Freedom Caucus? I mean, this is exactly what Kevin McCarthy did, a continuing resolution for just a couple of weeks running out this weekend, and he lost his job for it. Is Mike Johnson going to be a little bit safer because he's not quite as hated by his own team? I, I think there's there's potential here down the road for for him to be on um, on the chopping block. I I think while you know Kevin's got his his um, his ethics complaint and and you know they're all fighting each other and brawling in the hallways. Um, I think that they they probably have enough to entertain themselves for at least a short period. Okay, well, let me let me shift it then, if we can, to uh, the the great uh, state of Georgia. Um, (laughs) Where to begin with the Fonnie Willis case, Dr. Tracy? You know, uh, this was going to be a good year for Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford uh, stars in the fifth Indiana Jones movie, and he's great in it. He stars in the series 1923 uh, on Paramount, and he's great in it. He does a really funny role as a shrink with Parkinson's on shrinking on Apple, and he's great in it. Uh, But somehow the only person I'm hearing about is Harrison Floyd. And I I only found out today they're completely different people. Um, Harrison Floyd is one of Donald Trump's co-defendants in the Fonnie Willis case, and she is now seeking to revoke Harrison Floyd's bail, which is quite interesting because it's making me wonder, is this a trailer for what happens when someone revokes Donald Trump's bail? What do you know about this case? He's the only Uh, black defendant, but the only black defendant in the whole case. And she's talking. She's asked the court to revoke his bail because he was tweeting about uh, the case and the witnesses. Uh, Yes, indeed. He the allegations against him stem from threatening um, 
uh, a couple of election workers, including uh, the wonderful Miss Ruby. Um, mm-hmm. And he has been tweeting. Uh, he's been retweeting. He's been uh, doing it allegedly to intimidate and to also communicate with co-defendants and witnesses. She moved to revoke um, his bond. Um, I think we we often think of bail as cash bail. This yeah. was, I believe, a bond, um, and so it, you know it was ten percent of whatever the, the the bail amount would have been by cash. Um, and he is uh, they're looking to revoke his bond uh, because he violated the the conditions, which were right. to not. Um, harass, threaten, intimidate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and communicate. Um, yeah. And so I do think. And by, that, and by the way, this guy Harrison Floyd, he tagged them directly on social media to make sure they could be harassed by a lot of other people. Yes, absolutely. And you know, because otherwise it doesn't work, right? Um, and so I think that this is a an attempt to set up some precedent uh, for you know if the court does in fact. Uh, revoke uh, the bond that what will happen is should Trump get further agitated, should he start, uh, you know, doing his behaviors um, that the court will be in some ways cornered if she should seek to to revoke uh, his his bail conditions and have him remanded. So, I mean, I, I get that while Trump's behavior has gotten a lot more attention, Floyd's behavior has actually been worse, right? It's one thing to complain about a witness on social media, but when you're tagging them and trying to get your followers to intimidate that witness, I mean, Donald Trump hasn't done that. But it does seem like Fannie Willis is keeping very, very close tabs on the behaviors of every defendant. It's just it's hard for me not to see this as some kind of uh, line drawn in the sand about behavior uh, for any defendants in this particular case. This is standard behavior that you avoid as a criminal defendant. I don't care what state or, or uh, you know, district in the country you're in. Um, it doesn't matter. You don't engage in this behavior. Uh, this is what paralegals are for. This is what law clerks are for. And when I say law clerk in this instance, I'm talking about law students. Um, they they're hired, you know, to to do this type of work, to to do investigative work, to research and they're sitting there watching what's going on. They probably set up an alert like most of us do when we care about paying attention to a particular account. And when that alert dings on their their Twitter account, they know what they've posted. Um, I think that um, under these circumstances, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen Trump remanded before now. He doesn't have to tag anybody. He owns a social media company, right? Right. It's yeah. Failing. So he doesn't have to. Oh, no, it's doing great. It's doing great, Tracy. Doing great. (laughs) And so uh, he he doesn't have to tag anybody. His is even so much worse than that because he's got, you know, these tiny little pathetic rallies that he stands in front of and and the media eats it up and and shows uh, either video or stills. uh, It has people reporting from them. And he, he is using every medium possible and to harass anybody and and also yeah. to potentially set up an insanity defense for some of this stuff because he still thinks Obama's president. That's right. <laughs> I want to point out Donald Trump's Truth Social. Uh, in fairness, since they've been since they launched, they've taken in 3.7 million in net sales. Um, they've lost 60.5 million since it launched. If you include the value of derivative liability, they, they've lost uh, 31.5 million. 
But I mentioned they took in $3.7 million, right? So that's all you need to know. We're at 866-997-4748. Let me take a caller, Dr. Tracy. Brian in Oregon is on the line. Brian, welcome. You're on with Dr. Tracy Pearson. Hi, Brian. Oh, there you are. Hey. Um, I uh, First, thanks, Chris. Uh, I last thing I needed was Chip Roy, but John um, found the clip well, and got it. <laughs> to sorry, you. guys. Sorry. <laughs> um, the... Uh, Oh, God, Georgia and all that. Kendall, I, I've got a question for Kendall, quick. Uh, how does he think the people who um, did forced hysterectomies on the women in Georgia who are immigrant women should be yeah. treated? Scott Free? I'll bet you anything. I'll bet you anything that Kendall has never heard about the forced hysterectomies of migrant women under the Trump administration. I bet he's never heard about it because I, I, I'm telling you, right wing media did not cover it. I want I have a better question, which is why are all these men interested in our uteruses? I really want to know. <laughs> I'm not. I have no. no why are you so interested in thinking for yourself and getting out of the kitchen? Why are you so interested in filling our workplaces with your above average work habits? <laughs> yeah, graduating with more degrees than us. Yeah. Maybe maybe women's be thinking too much. Oh, God, John, and that's I th- I've got a new theme song for you. I mean, What's that? And, and just tongue in cheek. If okay. I only had a brain, wizard. Ah, there you go. Right on. So some of these people. Um, but by, I, my thought was today. Uh, it went for a while. Um, violence, Trump <laughs> and Roger Stone and Steve Ben. They're urging all this political violence stuff, uh, like Roger Stone in that parking garage with. Um, Yes. Enrique Terrio, and uh, I yes. can't remember if Stuart Rhodes was there. But they're cowards because he's whipping these guys up into a frenzy. And then he goes back to the hotel. He's not yeah. going to do any kill it, punching anybody or anything like that. Same no, I could take all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and he's playing these people for fools again. Exactly. And they yeah. could not stand Ashley Babbitt being killed. One of them. Oh, please. They fundraise off of her. She's literally dead because of Donald Trump's lies. And now they fundraise off of her to spread the lies more. Yeah. And it's just obscene. One of them got shot by a, was the guy a a, um, a Capitol Police person or somebody? Yes. Yes. And uh, and and, and there could have been a mass slaughter of all these assholes coming into the Capitol. Anyways, I find the. All this violent stuff is just it's just absurd and obscene, and um, I think it's just playing these people and whipping them up into a frenzy, and well, they're going to sit back laughing. I mean, Tracy, he's a little harsh on Roger Stone, right? As a fan of comedy, Roger's done so much for all of us. Uh, uh, he has. I got it right. He has. I didn't say Oliver Stone. No. <laughs> Not yet. God willing. <laughs> yeah, so anyways, that that is just... I- it's just remark to me. It's just yeah, dumbfounded. All of these people have done remarkable things for the legal profession. I mean, either you know, for the people who got money off of them trying to defend their sorry butts, um, if they got paid, but but particularly for people like me who get to sit back and 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 you know just analyze this stuff and wonder at their stupidity. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah, it, it's it is amazing. And I, by the way, I called that guy um, Clay Higgins. Clay, yes. Clay Higgins. Uh, he called his office after I heard a clip earlier in the day <laughs> and congratulated him for showing how stupid he was. <laughs> and uh, that it, uh, it was just remarkable. And, and also bringing up 
that there were uh, domestic white uh, terrorists in our midst, uh, yep. i.e. Stuart Rhodes and uh, these other people. Brian, I thank you very much for the call. Yeah. Right right on. I thank you very much for the call. We're at 866-997-4748. Tracy, I want to bring it back over to Israel if we can. Yesterday mm-hmm. was the rally in Washington, D.C. Tens of thousands of supporters of, of Israel rallied on the National Mall. I began the show talking about how the Democrats who were there have no business ever being on the same stage as John Hagee or Hagee. I'm sorry if I keep saying his name wrong. I've, I'm proud that I've never actually watched a whole speech of his all the way through. Um, but I followed the guy for a long time. I, I wanted to ask you, your thoughts on APAC uh, and hmm. the work that they do. I, I I do think that the Democrats who were there earned their money. Um, and APAC is is the American Israel Public Affairs Committee. It's a um, it's a PAC. And it's one of those things that has me wondering, you know, there are some countries where there there's these tiny, itty bitty little packs. I mean, really, right. really tiny little packs. Um, it, it, there's no Russian pack that I'm aware of. There's, you know, no German pack that I'm aware of. But by God, there is an Israel pack. And and what its purpose yeah. is, is it's a lobbying um, organization. It's registered as a lobbyist and, and a pack. And what it does is it it, it takes in. Billions. I mean, they have a, over a billion in cash right now on hand based on the Federal um, Election Commission uh, yeah. website. And, and what they do is they they give money to uh, to various uh, candidates to get them elected. Um, yep. And it's both sides of the aisle. Uh, it, and yes. it was one of these things where it was so nefarious to me because it, it is something that that I didn't have on my radar, to be quite honest with you, until all of this happened. And, I, you know, because we've been looking at the NRA all this time. Yeah, sure. And so um, the, the people who take the money, they take lots of money and yeah. um, they will primary the heck out of you if Indeed. you don't if you do not advocate for Israel's positions. And yeah. I find that detestable. I mean, really just awful. And again, I want to point out APAC uh, funneled over $2 million to the 121 Republicans who voted to overturn America's election in 2020 and endorsed 37 of them to help Republicans flip the House in 2022. And there's more. In fact, uh, over over the last many years, uh, they have been uh, staff members have been charged with crimes of uh, sharing classified information. Um, and it is something where they get charged. Oftentimes, APAC will fire them, and then the charges get dropped. Yeah. So now they're they're saying they're going to raise $100 million to take out Jamal Bowman, Summer Lee, Rashida Tlaib, Corey Bush, Ilhan Omar, all representatives of color. Uh, that's where they're going after now. Nasty, isn't it? And it's it's one of those things where have they looked at some of these folks' districts to see who 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 elected them? Because a lot of these folks got the the vote of people of color, so I'm I'm not so but, sure but they're going to be that successful. But but and yet is this not why politicians can't criticize the civilian government of Israel? I mean the Democratic <laughs> Party they 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 can't do it. I mean they 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 can't criticize the policies. They just can't even when they try to come out and say they oppose the policies. I mean, is APAC the reason why Joe Biden can't say ceasefire, but can just say, you know, humanitarian pause? Basically, yes. Yeah. And it's it's really despicable. 
It is because I, I, when I was a little kid in school, I said the Pledge of Allegiance to the United States flag, and I don't understand this concept of of how how another country. I don't care how wrapped in religion they are, and I don't care about the historical context here under these circumstances. How another country can be so embedded in our government to be impacting our politics in such a way where it is. Perfectly okay, but when you're talking about John Stewart and Apple and China, uh, the select committee in the in the House is is absolutely demanding answers from Tim Cook on um, on why uh, John Stewart's show ended. I believe I don't have this verified, but I believe the uh, Joe Biden has over the course of his career taken four million two hundred eighty eight thousand dollars from APAC. So he just put, putting that out there. Let's go to Stephen in Kentucky. Stephen, thank you for your patience on hold. You're on with Dr. Tracy. Hello. Stephen, Hello, my friend. You? Hello, sir. Uh, well, I've just been sitting here pondering the deep questions of life. <laughs> okay. Was Miss Piggy really inspired to wear a lot of that pink, or did she have a secret Pepto-Bismol fetish? And uh, she was her agent. Jaws ever worry about being the main course at a seafood restaurant? Of course, after listening to Kendall and some of these others. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, but I, I tonight is my birthday. It is, and I on a happy birthday. Note. Oh, happy you birthday. buried the lead. Happy birthday, twenty nine. How does it feel? <laughs> well, twenty nine. I thought he was nineteen. What are you talking about? Well, aren't you sweet? No, actually, I'm 46. And that should be a lesson to people because Biden's the 46th president and I'll be 46 going into over the elections next Ah, year. So perhaps that's an indicator that maybe he will get reelected. I hope Kendall chokes on that. Um, (laughs) Quite frankly, uh, I'm sitting here. uh, You know, I made some notes. where do we begin tonight? Well, well you we know, got about two minutes, so wherever you, whatever you want to begin. For Please. the life of me, how Kendall can sit there and justify, well, you know, if Trump wins again, are you all going to sit there and raise hell? You don't seem to understand, sir. This is not just about raising hell. This is someone who's a domestic terrorist. And yeah. you can sit there and be in denial with your little ostrich with your head in the sand, little routine, all you do, all you want to. But mm-hmm. I have a big problem when we have a leader of a free world getting up there and joking about Paul Pelosi being yes. attacked in his yes. own fucking home when this Priest. man claims to be law and order. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do have a big problem with that. And I also have a big problem with with him actually having the gall, the sheer gall, knowing this, this goes beyond trying to piss people off. This man said there are good people on both sides, and he sits there. He continues to twist the knife. Let me tell you something. I live in the South. I've seen this first up close and personal. And yeah. all these people who want to talk about Southern pride being, uh, you know, these Confederate flags. You know, we Mm -hmm. have big dicks, so we'll prove we have big dicks by sitting there, you know, (laughs) flying these flags. No, (laughs) let me tell you something. That has nothing to do with Southern pride. It doesn't. Because you can sit there and drink mint juleps, you can, and you can sit there and watch an episode of Designing Women. That has more pride (laughs) to it than that, as far as I'm concerned. And I'm sitting here 
also seeing this unfold with this <laughs> Neanderthal in Congress that you all were I need you to wrap it up. We got 30 that. seconds. We got, I need 30 seconds to wrap it up, Steve. Well, I was just going to say, for heaven's sake, I think some. I think these people need to be slapped about twenty five thousand times a slap of reality <laughs> across the face. It's what they really need. I, 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 I cannot imagine, and I'm going to say this to my dying breath. I cannot imagine that the majority of people in this country are satisfied with this lunatic fringe. This is why, right. and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. This is why they continue to lose. And they will continue yeah. to lose. This is not cute anymore, people. This is sociopathic. It. This is nihilistic, and it is misanthropic. I mean, Preach. what more do you people need? I tell you, it's ridiculous. Stephen, you are the best. Thank you so much. Bring the passion.